Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 16 of The List Makers, where today's topic is top five new who writers. Mm. The List Makers is our monthly mini podcast from the Doctor Who show. Top five topic, make a list, don't interrupt, and then we have a chat about it. We've got a new who topic this time, Rob. Are you looking forward to it? I am, Dave. Yes. Uh, some people, some listeners say we, we were often fixated back in the 80s and the Doctor Who of our youth. So let, let's show them that we know this new Who stuff. Let's go and <laughs> do exactly that. Now, it's my turn to go first. I have yes. got five picks. Now, I have imposed a rule on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what the rule is. See if you work out what my rule I've imposed on myself oh, okay. is at the end of my list. Sure. So I'll dive into my list at number five. One that I think I couldn't go beyond just because of the stature of this writer mm. and particularly because of the work he did on You Who, that is Richard Curtis. Wow. The writer of Vincent and the Doctor, but also Blackadder. Yes. And Four Weddings and a Funeral and a bunch of really good movies, a bunch of not so good movies, but, you know, a very capable writer. And Vincent and the Doctor is my favourite Matt Smith story, so I think mm-hmm. that that gets Curtis on my list. Okay. Number four, a personal favourite of mine, Matt Jones, who wrote The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. Yep. These are two excellent stories that, to me, are some of the best in New Who for that Doctor Who blend of action, horror, sci-fi, and real character. When characters die in that, you feel like you know them and you feel sad for them. When characters escape, you cheer for them. You believe that world. He has the gift for constructing these worlds and people with very small bits of dialogue and very little gestures. And I think it's an extraordinary piece of television. So Matt Jones deserves to be on there. He, of course, wrote one of my favourite new adventures. And I learned today when preparing for this was a producer on the UK version of Shameless. At the time, it was winning all sorts of awards. Oh, really? Apparently. Apparently so. Huh. Number three, yeah. Robert Shearman. Mm. He wrote Dalek, and that is just an absolutely fantastic story. He is a very, very capable writer. Again, the world that he creates is fantastic. The way that he reintroduces the Dalek is fantastic. His, his use of character, claustrophobia, action, really, really effective. Uh, it, it's helped by the fact that we've seen him interviewed many times and he seems like a genuinely lovely person as well. That mm-hmm. that always helps. But Robert Sheeran at number three. Mm-hmm. Number two, Vinay Patel. Ooh. Probably, well, no, not probably about it. Easily, in my view, the best writer of the Whittaker era. One of the big finds of the Whittaker era. He wrote... Fugitive of the Jadoon and Demons of the Punjab, which are, if not my two favourite stories of that era, certainly both in the you know top three, top four. Mm-hmm. He's just got a way of capturing those TARDIS teams really, really effectively. He's got a way of inserting sci-fi into the uh, real world in a really good way that I think makes for a really good Doctor Who. Uh, and again, just has these little twists and turns and character moments that really carry you through. Mm. And I think, like the other authors I've put down here, just helps their stories to stand out from the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Number one isn't one that I expected to have, and I sort of surprised myself when I realised that, oh, this guy's going on the list, and he's going on the list right up near the top as well. Mm. In fact, at the very top, and that is Paul Cornell. Okay. Given this guy wrote my favourite New Who story, Human Nature, he also wrote Father's Day, which was 
one of those stories in season one where I just realised how amazingly good this show was going to be. You know, we go from Dalek to Father's Day to uh, Empty Child. You know, that, that collection of stories just thought... This is fantastically good mm. television. And Paul Cornell, again, writes in a way that combines all the best aspects of Doctor Who. He makes you invested in the characters. He makes you invested in the plot. Mm-hmm. He makes you feel as though you understand an interesting, comprehensive science fiction plot. And I think when I look at those stories, he deserves to be number one on my list. So those are my five, Rob. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon my rule was? No showrunners. No showrunners. <laughs> I just th- I just thought it would be a a little bit unfair and and b would make the list more interesting not to have them. Um, sure. I don't know I don't know what approach you've taken, but um we can discuss that in more after you've made your list. Well, how many snaps do you think we had? Well, if you've gone with showrunners, then. You probably have RTD and Moffat, so there's only space for three. <laughs> this is like so, counting cards in a casino, Dave. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, oh, it, we, in that three, we could have one or two snaps because I know you you like a couple of the episodes I've referenced. Um, but the probability is low. I'm going to go for one. Okay. In at number five, Paul Cornell. <laughs> we definitely got one we definitely got one for a guy who used to write fanfic and then got into the NAs and the MAs and he really learned how to write there Cornell is a guy that parts of fandom at least have seen you know come up through the ranks and the way he got to write some episodes and some really really well regarded episodes at that when the show first returned just seemed to be the icing on the cake I would have liked him to write more to be honest because like someone I'll talk about at number three, Paul Cornell really gets Doctor Who. And when people really get Doctor Who and have a bit of talent, chances are they will write something better than a writer who might be as good or even better, but doesn't really get the content. He, he really, really gets it right down low, innately. And uh, so that's why he's in at number five for me. I think we both agree on that. Yeah. In at number four, I'm throwing a bit of a wild card in here, Dave. I'm going with Jamie Matheson who, uh, if people need a reminder, wrote Mummy on the Orient Express, Flatline, The Girl Who Died, and Oxygen. He seems to have a knack for writing good stuff. Now, I never had the sense that he was really a student of Doctor Who. He didn't come up through the ranks like a Cornell, writing fanfic and doing fanzines and writing novels and things. I think he was like a stand-up comedian or something like that. But he had enough ideas and enough crazy ideas to put out some really, really good stories. And weirdly, I haven't seen him doing any work for the past five years. I was looking him up on Wikipedia and IMDb and all over the place. I don't know if he's gone off to herd yaks in (laughs) Iceland or something, Dave, but I don't even know if they have yaks in Iceland. But it seems like a real loss to TV in general that he doesn't seem to be writing much anymore. It's a really strange situation. He's the kind of author I think Chipnell could have called upon and pulled into the mix and had some more good stories in his era. Jamie Matheson, I think, was a great writer. In at number three, I've put Mark Gatiss. And it feels really, really weird putting Mark Gatiss in here at number three because I hear his name and instantly my back's up a bit because there are Gatiss stories I really don't get along with. And I think, how can I put him on a list of top writers when that's the case? But of course, it's only half the story. There are also Gatiss stories that I really, really like. The work is so Marmite. And I know also that his heart's in the right place. And generally, he's aiming for a kind of Doctor Who 
that I personally think of as being real Doctor Who. I know that's a very subjective thing. I know it's probably a term people don't even like hearing. I think that's extremely admirable. He doesn't always get there, but I think he knows what real Doctor Who is, to me at least, and that's really appealing, that he gets the show. So in at number three for Mark. In at number two, and I think you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to do the showrunners, aren't I? I've got to do the showrunners. And yes, I am doing the showrunners. But what order am I doing the showrunners in, Dave? That's the real question. In at number two, RTD. Now, sometime back, Dave, we did an RTD versus the Moth episode and my scoring of their respective eras suggested that I liked RTD more than the Moth. And it was a tiny margin, but RTD came out on top. Here tonight, however, I'm not going just with cold numbers, but what... Australians, at least, will understand if I say it's the vibe. (laughs) And the vibe for me is that RTD's stories were generally safer, cuddlier, maybe a bit populist. And that's great if you're bringing back a series and you want everyone to watch it and all the kids to say it's cool. So RTD is absolutely a genius and very good at that stuff. And he's a brilliant showrunner, easily modern who's best showrunner. And here he is sitting at number two on my list because of that but I don't think he's the best writer. So in at number one, yes, I'm giving it to Stephen Moffat. Although he can be a smartass, although he can be annoying, and although he can really overreach and not explain himself well and even be a bit arrogant with the way he approaches storytelling, I can't go past the Moff for being the best writer in New Who. While his characters might not be as cuddly and lovable as RTDs, Moff's characters have killer lines, and here's the important thing, they do interesting things. I think when he spread himself a bit too thin by trying to write too many stories and go and make Sherlock at the same time and all of that, his work suffered. But even stuff made in that period, let alone in the period before he was the showrunner where he just wrote things that left you wondering, you know, why doesn't anyone else write stuff like this? It's just wild. I think he's a great writer, very inventive, and I'd love if he ever pens a story in the future. What a list. Hell of a a list. list. Um, and there's and so beto- many writers not on it. There are so many other writers in New Who. That's right. I mean, we've covered nine, and we, there are still so many more we could have had on there. I know that two that I was struggling not to be able to place were Simon Nye, who did yep. Amy's Choice, and of course wrote Men Behaving Badly, one of the classic comedies of British television, and Rona Munro, who people will know. I'm a big fan of her writing, and uh, Eaters of Light is a story I really like, but couldn't quite get them in there. Rob, one snap. Yes, one snap. And that was Paul Cornell. And you used a phrase a couple of times that I didn't use, but I think I, I used in spirit, and that is, gets Doctor Who? Yes. And I, I think you're right. I mean, one, one thing that Eric Saywood used to talk about when he talked about writers he commissioned and which writers were commissioned and the story fell down, and he said that it's actually really hard to write Doctor Who. People don't realise just how hard it is to get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we have got on our lists is a bunch of writers who really do get the show and that does help elevate them um were there any that you had as honorable mentions rob i had actually considered richard curtis because he is such a great writer yeah and and the fact that we had him at all writing uh it was like oh could could he go on the list with one story Ooh, i'm not sure if i can do that and it was similar with neil gaiman too i know he's got two stories not just one Mm. uh it's like oh he's he's an amazing writer he's done this huge body of work he is he is genuinely very good and one of his two stories i really really like uh but again i couldn't put him on no that's fair enough one that i was really umming and ahhing about but did end up on your list and that is mark gaddis right and and i sat there and i thought there there are i think most fans would agree 
there are really good Mark Gatter stories and there are some pretty terrible Mark Gatter stories, yes. but none of us agree which is which. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you ask anybody to rank the good and the bad Mark Gatter stories and everyone comes up with a completely different list. And that's something I think we need to explore in its own main main show episode one of these days. We need to, we need to do a, a Gatter special, I think, because there's a lot to unpack there. But, but it was because of that variation that I see in his work mm. that I didn't feel I could quite get him on there. But I did think about him for a very long time and, and and in another alternate world you know he could have been on there and i got him on because i know he knows what real doctor who is and i, I made that very clear in my comments so to to loop back around to that topic that's how he made my list yeah no absolutely i, th- I think that's very fair jamie matheson look i did look at because i was going through the list of stories and i saw oxygen jamie matheson i thought gee that was a very good script wasn't it maybe he should be on my list. And then I thought, what else has he written? Yeah. And I looked at it and thought, no, no. Really? You didn't like Mummy on the Orient Express? No, I didn't like Mummy on the Orient oh Express. Oh, my I, God. I, I didn't quite get it. I didn't quite click with it. Um, I thought that it just... I thought the Doctor was a bit too nasty. I thought the whole countdown clock was just too convenient, a writing cheat. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was a bad story, but I... I I didn't walk away going, that was a great piece of writing, I think. You like when Terry Nation does it. <laughs> that's, no, I mean, that, it's that's, not on screen. But. No, but that's, that, that is different. That is different. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, I, I think that Mummy is a very well-made story. Yeah. I didn't think the script was bad, but neither did I think the script was superb. Okay. So I, I would have been putting him on there with one episode I like, Oxygen, and several others that I'm not that keen on. So you're not big on Flatline? Not big on Flatline. I'm not big on Flatline myself. Uh, and The Girl Who Died. Definitely not. Okay. So, yeah, so a, a mix of stories for me, which which kind of knocked him out of my contention. Uh, your two and one, Rob, were, look, very obvious two and one. And, and if I hadn't imposed my showrunner rule, they would also have been my two and my one, which I, I think is kind of partly why I put that rule on, because it gave us a bit more diversity and i've got to say i would have put them in the same order as you that was going to be my question (laughs) for the same reasons as you i think when i think of moffat as a writer not a showrunner and and look i i'm i'm not a fan of his work on the smith era i do like his work on the capaldi era but as a writer when i think about blink which is pretty good empty child which is one of the best scripts the cyber story um not city at the edge of the world um World Enough in Time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are so many really good Moffat scripts that would absolutely have him there at number one, uh, whether I like all of his work as showrunner or not. And, and and I think you're right. You know, do I think RTD is a really good showrunner? Yes. Is he a really good writer? Yes. Can I sit here and name off the top of my head as many classic stories as he wrote, not showrunner, but wrote, mm. as I can Moffat? No, I can't. There are yeah. some really good ones, but but no, I can't. And I think Moffat has the advantage of having been a writer outside of being a showrunner, whereas RTD so far has only written for himself. Is that right? Well, he hasn't written in for any other showrunner, has he? Right, right, right. Yep, yep, of course. When it comes to Doctor Who, yeah. When it comes to Doctor Who, yeah. So Yeah, I, I was thinking more broadly, thinking were there shows that he had written on that he wasn't showrunning? No, but you mean on Doctor Who. Okay, I get you. 
Yeah, so you know, Moffat had that chance to just be, hey, Stephen, you got one slot for the season. Give us your best. And yeah. he, he turned out, you know, really good stuff. Whereas RTD was always like, well, I've got 47 things to do and I've got to write this show at the same time. And, and look, some of it is great. I think Journey's End, Stolen Earth is fantastic. Midnight is absolutely spectacular. That's a really good standalone script. So, yeah, if I'd not had my rule, I would have had him at two, but Moffat as one for exactly the reasons you did. Yeah, and, and my comment on RTD here in my notes, again, I see it safer, cuddlier, populist. You know, and that's not always going to make you the, the best writer like Moffat. But I think it's the kind of thing Doctor Who needed in 2005, and it's the kind of thing Doctor Who needs uh, when he returns to the show. Absolutely. But again, when I think of the RTD standalone stories, I just mentioned Stolen Earth. I just mentioned Midnight. Um, mm-hmm. I can think of others. Um, Bad Wolf, for example. Oh, Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. Yeah. yeah they, they are all the ones where he becomes maybe just a little less cuddly and a little less safe. And I think that that works really well for him. And, and look, we're not going to go into a full RTD chat here, but, but I think <laughs> I, I think I can say we have discussed before on our main show where RTD has become a little bit unsafe and gone into some darker territory. In, in other projects, he has become a really, really effective writer and done some of his best work. And so mm. I think that is the case in Who as well. Yeah. You mentioned Vinay Patel. Vinay obviously got a bit of a, a, a run in the Chibnall era. I wonder if his runs come to an end. And like these writers who sort of appear with a certain showrunner, and when the showrunner leaves, they disappear as well. I wonder if we've seen the last of Vinay now. Yeah, it would be a real shame if that was the case. But you're right, so many of the ones we've had here, Paul Cornell didn't go past RTD. Gaddis at least got to do Moffat as well, but hasn't been back. And, and RTD himself has not been back, neither has Moffat. So... Uh, look, I hope that P- Vinay Patel is back, but I mean, we just don't know how many slots there are going to be for these people and how many writers RTD wants to bring on board in the new series. Yeah, or, or quite how these things work in general. You also mentioned Matt Jones. I mean, Matt Jones obviously loves his Doctor Who. He's written a novel that you love. He's written a, a great two-parter that you love. Why isn't he sort of in the mix more if he's so competent and knows Doctor Who? And in a lot of these cases, is it because they've gone on and done other things and don't have time for Doctor Who anymore? Yeah. Rob Shearman, you know, he's out there writing very successful novels. Matt Jones is apparently producing very successful television. So, you know, Richard Curtis is making billions of dollars in movies. So, you (laughs) know, maybe, you know, they, they had their little dalliance with Doctor Who and because they are so good, unfortunately we lose them, but the industry gets them elsewhere. Yeah, whereas someone like a Stephen Moffat is like, I bloody love Doctor Who. I'm going to give, you know, five years of my life to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mm. think that's the case. Um, and, and Mark Gaddis is someone who's clearly proved he can earn money elsewhere in the industry, but enjoys yeah. coming back to the show. Yeah. We are well and truly out of time, Rob. Yes, again. Once again, we will dive into Turlow's Hat of Rassilon. Uh, once again, I'll remind listeners, if you want to put a topic in here, you are very welcome to do so. But next time, I think we're going to have some fun, Rob. What is it? Top five target novels. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> that is going to be excruciating to pick. I think we'll have a lot of snaps myself. I think we could well have, but that, that is next month's problem. So until then, I've been Dave. I've been Rob. And we'll make some lists soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.